for uh, chasing wins this year. This is Chasing Wins. All right, let's transition to the final kind of news slash topic, but probably the most important one, which is what what have we done so far? Well, we've last night we signed Corey Joseph, obviously, like you mentioned earlier. And what are we kind of planning on doing moving forward? I know uh, we have summer league tonight, but from a free agency standpoint, like what what other moves are we going to make? So Corey Joseph, obviously, a veteran point guard, 31 years old. I think he averaged like, what is it, seven points, four assists last year on 40. It's like 46, 39 splits, like pretty efficient, uh, pretty decent production. He'll be a third stringer for us. He'll kind of take up that Ty Jerome, uh, Chris Chioza type of Wanna maker. Just going to buy minutes. Yeah, buy minutes. Get, you know, keep CP3, keep Steph healthy by just eating up playing time and taking up those minutes, you know. And I think this is a move where, you know, Dunleavy kind of said it in his press conference. He said, we're going to go after a veteran point guard. We're going to get a wing and we're going to go after a big. And when people like people were like shocked that we like signed a guard, like Dunleavy said this, like we're going to go after a third string point guard because he said we needed some, someone that could relieve, you know, players of, 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 of bringing the ball up and those, those responsibilities. So none of this came as a shock to me. I just think people are just angst and eager to see, you know, more, high-profile moves, but it hasn't happened yet, obviously. Uh, we only have the minimum contracts available, so obviously the flexibility and the options with which we can um, maneuver, you know, and, and and try to acquire certain players is limited. So, yeah, I mean, I think – I just think this is a, a signing that doesn't necessarily move the needle. I think this is a signing that just is – kind of just rounds out the roster overall, but I think we still need to – address the main points of issue the main issues here which are which remain to be positional size rebounding and defense and so when I say that I mean I'm talking about more so the power forward position which you've been beating the drum of for over a year now um you know a guy like and I I mentioned Tory Craig all the time but like this is a guy that really fills in those gaps because he can shoot the ball at a 40 percent clip he can defend at a very respectable level. He's a very good rebounder, averages about five over five a game, and he doesn't play that many minutes, so he does a lot in such little time. And he can cut. I was watching some film the other day. He can slash. He has off-ball capabilities. He's a very good screener. I didn't realize how good of a screener he is. And on top of that, he actively boxes out. I, I was watching film, and, and I was watching him put a body on on his man repeatedly guarding fives, guarding fours, actively chasing the ball, looking, looking, you know, to, he has a nose for the ball, you know, and obviously he's not a guy that's going to win us the title, like, but he's a guy that can stabilize our bench, give us a good, you know, give us some good minutes, positional versatility. And I think that's what we were missing last year was, you know, we had Anthony Lamb and we had Jermichael Green out there. They just weren't getting the job done. They weren't cutting it. I think Torrey Craig can be a guy that that actually gets the job done, that that can be a connector, 
um, and can be viable against any matchup, right? So Otto Porter was the was the like you've been mentioning was the missing piece, was the missing component last season. The guy that you know provided Draymond some relief offensively as a spacer, but we missed that. And so a guy like Torrey Craig can be a viable defender, someone who gives Draymond you know some spacing offensively. Has played next to Chris Paul in Phoenix, so he has that connection, has that chemistry. Um, and then also another name is Dario Saric, who's like power forward, shoots 40% from three, uh, can rebound a little bit, finish in the paint a little bit. Okay defensively, but I view him kind of in the belly slot where he can play the five uh, next to Draymond. I think he'd be actually a solid pickup. I think they could have some positive lineups. And, yeah, I mean, Saric is just a solid Warriors player. He actually has some very good slashing capabilities uh, that I was able to pinpoint. He's a very good passer at the five. He's not what Bielitsa was, but very respectable. I think he can play and thrive within the motion offense. So those are some names that I've, you know. And then Mason Plumley, I think, was like the last guy who I, I like. He's seven-footer, really good passer, really really solid rebounder, very good. Great finisher at the rim. He shot 88% at uh, from a field goal percentage standpoint in the playoffs. 88%, which is very good. And it's not on low volume. It's on decent volume. So I think, you know, that's a guy I'm looking at. And as a backup big, I think he could be really good for what we like to do. And he's solid defensively. So those are the few names I'm looking at. But again, we one name is off the board now with Corey Joseph. So we have two slots left. I'd like Torrey Craig and Saric personally, but... They're, they're still on the table, right? They're still on the board right now. Hopefully we can get them, but what else do you expect in free agency and what do you want to see uh, improve? You know, what areas do you want to see improve? So, I mean, it's it's a tough question. I Because I, they're right now they're trying to fill out the roster uh, kind of, like you said, if they can fill it out with Torrey Craig and Saric and if you can get them both on – the vet's minimum, I mean, that's, I guess that's the toughest, that's the most challenging part of it is to sign him to that kind of contract because a guy like Tory Craig, so he's been getting paid five mil for the last couple of years. So it's strange to think that he would go back to a minimum contract now that I think more or less NBA teams have an idea as to who he is and uh, what kind of a role he can play. Uh, as a backup for uh, playoff contenders. So, I mean, if if other teams are not interested and they don't sign him and the Warriors are able to get him for the Vets minimum, obviously, yeah, that would be wonderful. Um, same thing with Saric. Same thing with uh, TJ Warren. I mean, that's, that's a double-digit score uh, forward. A guy like that shouldn't really, should not be available for uh, the Vets minimum. So if you can get him a guy like that for a vet's minimum, I mean, that would be like a gift. This this guy you're talking about, this is a guy that got, okay, so let's see. He was on a vet's minimum contract because I think I don't, he might have been bought out from his previous one. I, I'm not quite sure what the deal was. So Sarich, I think, was true. Are you talking about Sarich? No, I'm talking about TJ Warren. Oh, TJ, yeah, yeah. So TJ Warren was bought out, and then he was picked up by the Suns. There you go. Okay, so prior yeah. to that, you know, he was getting paid, uh, you know, in in uh, eight figures. 
This right. guy's getting 12 million, something like this. So if if you can get a guy like that for the vets minimum, I mean, that is a major asset you're talking about. You know, the guy is, you know, like he can give you like 15, 18 points, uh, five rebounds, like just, you know, solid across the board, knows how to uh, work in open space. And those are the kinds of bodies that the Warriors need. Uh, you know, he's 6'8", 220. Like he's not a small guy. So, yeah. yeah. Those, so guys like that, if, again, if you can get him for the vets minimum, that's a gift to the Warriors. I think TJ Warren as a score. I, so here's my thing with him. He's a good player, and I actually would take him on the minimum for sure. Six eight can score, no doubt. Um, my only fear with him is his ability to rebound and his ability to defend. But I do think it can work if he plays the three. I don't think he could play the four for us because I don't think he's a, a good enough defender or rebounder that Otto was. I think he's probably a tier and a half below. Maybe like a tier and a half, tier or so below. But he does have positional size. That's good. And he does give you a little bit of rebounding. He can defend a little bit, but I think we need a little bit more insulation. So if you can get, hopefully, like, again, Torrey Craig and TJ Warren, now your optionality and your versatility and your con- and the combinations that you can work with when it comes to lineups – it's beautiful at that point because then now you got guys that can score, guys that can shoot, guys who can defend, guys who can, you know, now you got some something to work with. And next to Draymond, now it's like so much, so many combinations. But it would require, obviously, Tory Craig to maybe take a little bit of a pay cut. And it would require them to also sacrifice part of their role, right? They may not be getting 25 minutes every night. They may get 16 minutes or 20 minutes, like – there, it requires some buy-in. So I do ex- I do understand the hesitancy and the apprehension that free agents have to joining us because we have a couple of young players on the roster still playing the wings position. And this is a team that, you know, Jermichael Green was not happy about his minutes last year. like, And he's a journeyman, like a guy that's played for the Clippers, for the Grizzlies, for the Nuggets, and then now for us. But, like, he wasn't happy with his minutes. He said it verbatim, I mean. So, you know, veterans, you know, you want to sign the guy guys that are, you know, receptive to buying into a team concept. So we'll see. I mean, there's still names on the board, and that's the encouraging part. But hopefully, you know, we, we make a move soon because uh, the last thing we want is to, you know, limit our options to guys who probably won't move the needle at all. Kind of like last season, Jermichael didn't really move the needle. Uh, and neither did lamb or um you know we didn't really hit many much on free agency even dante like in the playoffs was up and down so we need we need more consistency stability and and versatility so work more work to be done for sure um and and i don't know if kaminga and moody are necessarily on the move yet i I would hope they are and i think part of this holdup that we're seeing is because they're uh they're, they may be floated in trade talks, and, and that might be um, a more more of a priority for Dunleavy at this point. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on, like, free agency and stuff and, and that kind of thing? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would say it, it's interesting. Um, I don't know that if Kuminga has actually been 
you know, his name has been, if Dunleavy's been floating his name around, because I feel like if he had, it would be in the trade rumors. Like that he's available. There, there's been some yeah. rumors. There, there's been some stuff with Indiana. Um, you mean in the off season or like? No, no, no. Know? This, yeah, like within the last few weeks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What? What? So, for example. Yeah, the, they were discuss- they were discussing um, for Duarte and and the number seven pick. They were discussing you know moving, but the thing is this, right? Duarte is a guy that's a guard, and the seven pick is still a kid. Like we wouldn't we. To get a veteran that can actually make a difference, it's tough because Kaminga only makes $6 million. So it's difficult to move that contract for guys that make more money. Um, so his name has been floated in, to move up in the draft. It just didn't happen. But I Okay, think, okay. So leading yeah, up to the draft. Moving up in the draft overall. But I do think that was a ploy to like reconfigure our assets so we can make an even bigger move. But... His name has been floated for sure. It's just a matter of for what. Like, I don't think the options are there because his the flexibility isn't there, right? So you look at Moody, he that's another four million. And then you look at GP2, who makes nine million. And I don't want to get rid of GP2, but if there's a move to be made for OG, that's something you gotta look at. But I I would prefer just keep it. Uh, Kaminga and Moody because I do think GP2 is a guy that is just too valuable for what we do and and I just don't want to move off of him but that we we just don't have as much flexibility now that's why I said Jordan in the beginning of the podcast I said Jordan's contract man that has the most like value because it's 28 million four years like that to me was the most flexible contract we had and we moved off of it so we kind of now don't have as much money to move around to make a big move. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. But over the next few days, do you expect us like to – is there any names in free agency that you think we can pick up like that you would like to see? No. I mean, you know, the, the Warriors have enough guards now, obviously. So it's time to pick up some bigger bodies, like you said. Uh, the names that you brought up are good. Uh, especially because the Warriors are limited in what they can pick up. And uh, it's the vet minimum guys that the Warriors are looking for that they're hopefully going to be able to convince some guys to come uh, and take less money, sacrifice a year, uh, build up their brand and, you know, their kind of value in the league like Dante just did. He just got a big payday, right? So kind of, you know, show, show those guys that, hey, you have a potential to make a high earning uh, just by joining us for a single year. So, so yeah, you know, it's, I think it's relatively simple. Uh, I, you know, I'm so, I'm, I'm a little confused as to what they could do in terms of trades and moving guys. Right. Um, I guess they, they do want to fill out the roster first and then do something, but it's a little confusing because yeah, I mean, Kuminga, <laughs> Like yeah. he, he's the backup small forward and you do it's, need wings on the team. Yeah. Um, but it's like him and Moody are, I'm, I'm confused. Like they're kind of redundant a little bit as wings for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, it's just the lack of clarity, man, with those guys. That's so frustrating. And the I fact agree. that 
Yeah. They're going into their third years. They're expected to take a leap, but then right. we don't know what that leap is going to look like with the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just so that's the only kind of uncertainty. But to kind of summarize everything together, um, no matter how how you slice it, the Warriors got better. Uh, For to sure. Replace, yeah. To replace Jordan Poole with Chris Paul, I mean, that's such a stark contrast in um, abilities on the floor. You know, Jordan, all the all the issues that he had on the floor, like such as inability to defend at any like you know reasonable capacity uh inability to rebound just just an inability to impact the game in right. any other way than scoring himself which he did comically hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Which, he, which he wasn't even like, it's not, like he was, and I'm not trying, really bad. we're not trying to even drag him, but like he wasn't even good at like the one thing he was supposed to be good at. Like in the playoffs, he was just not even score. Like, bro, he sh- he shot 45% true shooting. Like 45% true shooting. That on 10 points per game off the bench. Like the season before, he was probably close to north of 60 on 17 points per game in the playoffs. It's like a completely different player. Completely. And you could again, we could blame all the factors and this and that and whatnot, but at the end of the day, like he set a standard and an expectation and he set the bar high and he didn't even come close to that in the playoffs this year or even the he regular was unplayable season. he was yeah, unplayable. unplayable uh he scored 10 points on uh what is this 10 shots <laughs> he took more shots than he yeah. um converted them into points uh shot 34 percent from the field 25 percent from the three-point line on almost five attempts uh i, yeah. I mean this is just like shot turnovers, you know? This is a fucking joke. <laughs> like, this is <laughs> one of the bad, worst man. productions, like, you've ever seen. Like, you could argue he was – you could argue that he was worse than Kuminga, who didn't even yeah, play. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. He didn't even play, and he was somehow worse than him. That's how he was bad he was. Than, um, and, again, we're not trying to drag him, but, like, the standard – I'm dragging that he, him. Well, the standard that he set, like – I remember throughout the season, I'm not going to lie, and I was saying this in the live watches, it felt like there were moments where he was worse than, like, Lamb or, like, worse than – because Lamb was doing positive stuff out there at times or, like, worse than Dante, right? Dante makes $5 million a year, whatever. Like, he's he's not supposed to be in Jordan Poole's, like – He's not supposed to be in Jordan Poole's like breath, like that. Not in the same breath, not in the same sentence. They're they're two different players, right? One guy is uh, the the second, third best player on a on a championship team from a, from an offensive standpoint, offensively. The other guy is like a mid level player who just you know got signed for one year. There were times Dante was just clearly out, like just imp- impacting the game in more positive ways. There were times that I felt like guys like Ty Jerome and Lamb were just more solid. Uh, Kaminga, like you said, Moody, like 
when I start when I started seeing those things, it really it 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 was when I was officially out on Jordan. Like I I just knew I said this before the playoffs, but I said our championship hopes depend on how few minutes Jordan Poole plays and how many minutes GP two and Dante play, because the more minutes Jordan played, man, I just knew they were going to be negative. And funny enough, his plus minus numbers weren't too bad, like overall, but he he just was in the moments where we needed him, he was just unproductive. That game one versus the Kings let us down. That game four versus the Lakers had zero points, like two turnovers. You think Chris Paul is going to do that? Like if he has zero points, like I said, he's going to have seven assists, two steals and be scrappy and try to win those minutes as best he can. Like he'll, he'll have a rip through. He'll get to the free throw line, something like zero points, bro. Like that. He'll make a smart play. He'll make the best play possible and he won't, fumble the ball in the most important point of the game or yeah. some, something like this. There's so many fundamental issues that a player like Jordan Poole, uh, who has, you know, so much talent, but he just, he has to put it all together. You know what I mean? And yeah, um, I think he'll was, be fine in Washington though. He'll have the, yeah, yeah, yeah. he'll yeah. have the opportunity. He'll flourish. He'll get the shot attempts. I don't think obviously they're not going to win a ton of games, but I think he'll improve as a player just from a experience and rep standpoint. I just think confidence, man. He just doesn't do this. Yeah. Having the ball in your hands, right. Going to a different system where the ball is in your hands. The coach trusts you uh, to be that guy because that's the money that, you know, you signed him on for. Right. So it'll be the, it'll be the pool Kuzma show and it'll be a super, maybe super fun, but ineffective uh, inefficient, like this kind of stuff, right? But who knows? Yeah. Maybe Jordan can really come in because we're talking about in, like inefficiency now. But Poole could be a completely different player, and absolutely you know, with a completely absolutely. different kind of efficiency if given that role and given that trust, uh, given that leadership, uh, whatever, right? And he wasn't given any know, of these things. One thing we do know is he's very talented. So, like. Yeah. That talent's going to be brought out. It's just a matter of if it's the right fit and if it's yeah. the right coach and opportunity, like you said. So Yeah. So Chris sure. Paul, I mean, I can I can picture a scenario for the Warriors where – you remember for the Suns a couple of years ago – or not uh, last season, uh, He not this past season, but the season before that? Right. When they were just cruising, and they were like the best team in the league, right? And right, they were, right. They went, didn't they win like 60, 60 or 61 64. games? Yeah. So something like ridiculous like that. And and they were kind of coasting. You know what I'm saying? And I, I see I can see that something like that happening for the Warriors where they're just so stabilized that they're just gonna be beating a lot of teams, you know, and uh these these guys are gonna get a lot of rest and yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be on automatic and uh, kind of stuff like this where um I think good things are going to happen. I think their, their roster is already better than what it was this past season. Even if they don't uh, pick up some of these guys in free agency, um, even just the draft, the fact that I'm excited about a draft pick, I mean, that should, that's interesting, right? Because, you know, I'm the one that wanted the two timeline thing to stop and right. focus and, you know, focus on building the team to maximize Steph Curry. And yep. Yep. Uh, I, I think. With Trace, you kind of have this opportunity of, well, so he he can score twenty plus in college, 
Um, and it's not like the Warriors need anything close to that from him. But I'm excited, by the way. I think when you think about a guy like that can slip, like imagine if he can just learn the offense quickly and, and, and then he's slipping screens, getting easy dunks. Like he's more athletic than Looney, right? And he can make reads. He can pass. If he him can, you know, Paul. dive at the yeah, – same thing with CP3. Steph's gravity and then CP3's uh, on-ball, like, pick-and-roll stuff. Like, there's so much to be unlocked. It's on Steve yeah. to actually uh, empower them, you know, and put yeah, them Trace out there. Yeah, Trace is – I mean, from what I can see, he's not a shooter. But right. he's, he's a, play a playmaker. He's a play finisher. He's a playmaker. He right. plays in the post. He, he can uh, create offense as well. He, there's a versatility to his game. Um, and right. he's an explosive finisher. He's an elite finisher, and uh, he is just, I feel like, in a way, you can look at him as a, almost as a veteran of sorts. Uh, you know how Steve Kerr looked at a guy like Anthony Lamb as veteran, you know, and he, he played, he also played, what, three or four years, I don't remember. Yeah, but, he was, he was two-way, but he played multiple years, and and he's and by the way, uh, uh, Trace is twenty three years old, so he's older than Moody. He's Jordan Poole's age. Yeah, exactly. So you're yeah. talking about a guy who's seasoned, who, um, and he knows how to play. Uh, you know that that anchoring position. So we'll see. I mean, he, I don't know defense. I never. I can't. I can never just look at the numbers. I have to see you play. I have to see what you're about on that end. But uh, just from uh, looking at the statistics, I mean. This guy is three blocks. That's 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 different, and that's elite. So 